0: Welcome to Living Change Podcast Episode 2, just to prove Episode 1 wasn't a fluke. I was planning on making this one twice the length of the first, but then I got a cold. Maybe you can tell. Anyway, I thought I'd better just share how far I've got, and not wait to have enough brain cells to wrap together to come up with more. Okay, so first I want to respond to the comments people made on the first episode. I really appreciated them. Thank you, Dilson and Dumora and Blink for your comments, and Blink especially for recommending Magnatune. That's where I found the introductory music you just heard. Bach's prelude in F minor from the first book of the Well-Tempered Clavier, played by Daniel Ben-Pinard. I think it's gorgeous. It's not easy to think of music to introduce the Jing of all things, but I suppose Bach comes nearest. In other comments, Lani tackled the whole aura of negativity around hexagram 29 head-on, which I thought was really good. And then there's Anonymous, who writes this. Well, I enjoyed listening to it. But I don't think I could take your answer as THE answer, just your answer. If I asked that question, I expect I'd get a different answer, so how can your answer be THE answer? If I got the same answer, well, that would be very interesting. But I can never get my head around the concept that one person asking a question on behalf of humanity will receive THE answer for the whole of humanity. If you say, this is my answer, so this is the actual answer, you're sort of making a creed out of your own answers. Ack. Scary. No, no, I'm, I'm definitely not making a creed by the back door. That would not be good at all. Hmm, I need to make this explicit, don't I? <laughs> so thank you ever so much, Anon, for bringing this up. Okay, so when I asked these questions, universal type questions. I'm not asking ye, please tell me everything that all of humanity will ever need to know about this. All I'm asking is please tell us, the people who'll hear this reading, something that we need to understand about that at the moment. So what emerges isn't THE answer, it's AN answer. And of course you could ask the same question and get another answer. And another thing to understand. I'm just trusting that whatever I'm given here will be of use to the people who hear it. Which basically means I'm trusting synchronicity. I'm trusting the Oracle to work and connect with people, even though I'll most likely never understand what's happening out there. And that's absolutely fine with me. I, honestly, it's as comfortable as an old armchair. It's what I do every day all kinds of skillful and ingenious things in interpretation, just so that the oracle can interact with the people I'm reading for, in all kinds of ways I can't see or grasp at all. So hopefully that clarifies things, and I'm truly glad to have the opportunity, because that whole creed-building idea was very creepy. And for today's episode... I thought this time I'd be just a little topical and ask about money. I didn't mean to ask about the present economic situation as such, just about money and prosperity and what we need to understand about it. Honestly, I was looking for an inspiring, universal truth kind of reading, something like hexagrams 13 and 14 perhaps, great possession arising from harmony between people. Or maybe 58 for the joy of exchange, or 42 for blessing. You get the idea. Oh, and after getting a single hexagram last time, I was anticipating something with moving lines to give me a bit more to talk about. So much for my expectations. What actually happened was that I asked what we need to understand about money, tell us something we need to know about it, and ye gave me hexagram fifty-one, shock, with no changing lines. Shock. Hmm. Well, I wonder what that might be referring to. The Oracle says, Shock, creating success. Shock comes fear and terror, laughing words, shrieking and yelling. The shock spreads fear for a hundred miles. Someone does not lose the sacred ladle and libation. Shock has to do with thunder, and with storms that come out of season especially, and show that the world is out of harmony. It also has to do with earthquakes. And I think the core experience of it is when that sense that the ground is disappearing from under your feet, and what you thought was solid and dependable isn't, and it's just not there. In personal experiences, this tends to be that moment when you find that people aren't what you thought. There's a story that Wu Wei tells in one of his books of having Hexagram 51 describe an experience when he'd gone rock climbing and He put his weight on a foothold and it crumbled away, and down he went. It's really that exact moment when you realize that you're falling. It's interesting to look at where this comes in the sequence. Hexagram 51 and its pair 52, keeping still. I think they're a way of taking what came before and experiencing it emotionally, processing it in a way. What came before is hexagram 49, radical change, revolution, and hexagram 50, the vessel. The contrast between them says that 49 means putting away the old and 50 means grasping renewal. These two hexagrams are associated, amongst other things, with a huge regime change. There's this grand story that weaves in and out of the whole Jing how the Shang dynasty were the rulers and they became corrupt, and the Zhou people received the mandate from heaven to overthrow them. And they did. The Shang had been in power for generations, and yet there was radical change and revolution, and the Zhou did overthrow them. People must have believed that the Shang would always be there, that that was just how everything worked. Not just in terms of political power, but as the spiritual, metaphysical foundation for the whole society. So when you get to Hexagram 51, it's not just about the politics of the thing anymore. It's not about the history and the saga. It's about the emotional experience. Before all the change, the Shang are in charge, just as they always have been. The ground stays securely underfoot we can trust that lending and borrowing keeps on ticking over and our market economy just naturally grows, because that's what it does. And then, ah, maybe not. Shock comes, fear and terror, laughing words, shrieking and yelling. The shock spreads fear for a hundred miles. On the one hand, it's not exactly hard to recognize what this is talking about. I mean, really, it pretty much sounds as if the oracle's been watching the news. On the other hand, this is specifically something we need to understand about money, not just about what's going on now. Okay, so my understanding of economics is... Well, I was going to say it's shaky, but really, it's pretty much non-existent. But I get the impression that... It's about trust and promises. You lend someone money, you trust they'll pay it back, and so that alone counts as an asset for you. And since it's an asset, you can trade with it, right? It's all money. The promises are real, so the money is real. Then it turns out the money isn't real. The ground we're standing on isn't real, and the shrieking and yelling starts. Anyway, there's a line of this oracle I haven't yet talked about. There's fear and terror, shrieking and yelling, all a contagious panic. And then it says, someone does not lose the sacred ladle and libation. How interesting. Right at the heart of the storm and turmoil, someone's keeping still. The seed of the next hexagram is already present. And something is not lost the ladle and libation that the priest holds at the temple. The commentary on this oracle says that someone comes forth who can safeguard the ancestral temple and the altars of field and grain. There's all the upheaval. The regime has been overthrown. But there's also something that hasn't changed and isn't lost. The offerings will continue. They represent this ongoing relationship to lineage and place and the means of living, ancestral spirits, fields, and grain. And this is sacred, it's valuable, and it holds its value. This isn't lost. It's about relationship and connection that continues when everything else changes and holds its value. Okay, that doesn't need much commentary, does it? I just want to add two things. One is, this is still a reading about money. Okay, we understand how it's susceptible to shocks and panic. Now we also need to hold on to what is sacred at the heart of it. That seems to me worth mulling over. What's in the label? What is the sacred thing at the heart of a money storm that we need to hold on to? At this point, I'd like to put that question to ye and create a second part of the podcast just for members of Change Circle to talk through the reading. I'd do just that if it weren't for this pesky cold. As it is, what I'll do is write about it in the private forum, Reading Circle, so we can pool our ideas there. And if you're listening to this and you're not a member and you'd like to chime in, go to onlineclarity.com forward slash circle to get two weeks for free that's o n l i n e c l a r i t y dot com forward slash c i r c l e circle so yeah i did ask what's in this sacred ladle and he says hexagram 25 without entanglement Still with no changing lines. I think this is a beautiful answer. I mean, just look at the trigrams. Anyway, more on that in Reading Circle. The other thing I wanted to say about the sacred ladle is that I don't think that holding on to this is something you do despite the shock. I don't think this is about the priest versus the storm, gritting his teeth and hanging on and trying to block out all the turmoil. It's more that this sacred thing is the heart of the storm. I think it's, it's the essence of it, in a way. Shock creates success. Shock comes, fear and terror, laughing words, shrieking and yelling. The shock spreads fear for a hundred miles, and someone does not lose the sacred ladle and libation. That's the other line of this oracle I hadn't mentioned. Shock is about creating success it can actually revitalize and restore the connection between people and spirits. It can create an opening for people to step right into the flow of creativity. Maybe that's why this hexagram is known as a wake-up call. It says something like, yes, you've constructed all this stuff, all these towering, teetering edifices, but hello? look." this is what's actually real the ladle and the libation offering connection very simple completely fluid i suppose we might never even notice that if all the constructions didn't come falling round our ears from time to time actually i'm starting to wonder whether this isn't more of a universal truth kind of reading than i thought as well as being a topical comment on all our headless chickendom. This is a hexagram with a double trigram, after all. That is its six lines are made of a repeated pattern of three lines, and that pattern represents thunder. The image says that with repeated thunder, the noble one in fear and trembling sets things in order and is watchful. And Lisa Haber says Repeated shocks are necessary Because the new does not stay new It gets loaded again with securities Time after time One has to renew the universal laws Within oneself Get in contact again with the cosmic forces Cosmic truth That quotes from her site At yijing.nl And that's one that should definitely Be in your bookmarks That's dot nl. Follow the link from that page to Lisa's I Ching. the one in the middle. And, yeah, bookmark it. It's wonderful. Well, that's all for today. Thank you for listening to me ramble. I'm really looking forward very much to your comments on this one, and your suggestions for what I might ask next. Post them on the blog, or inside Reading Circle, or send an email to Hillary, at onlineclarity.co.uk, however you like. Here's that Bach F Minor Prelude for you. No interruptions this time, just pure disentanglement.